Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied abundantly unto you all through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You may be seated. From Matthew chapter 13, reading at verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Now, how many of you love to get up in the morning, then go and have your cup of coffee down by the lake in the summer? For some of you, that's a reality. For others, it's a dream. Jesus went out of the house to sit by the lake to have some quiet time. That's the point. We all like a little quiet time. Looking out over a large body of water, perhaps with mountains in the background, can give us perspective just about how small we are in the great scheme of things and how wonderful and great God is. Isaiah 44, verse 8, you heard. Is there any God beside me? No. There is no other rock. I know not one. Today I want to give you a little perspective and a little hope, especially as it pertains to our future. We're living in uncertain times for sure. Our world has been rocked by a virus that we don't know too much about except that it causes death and unwittingly is spread to others. And so the only way to combat that has been with physical distancing and good hygiene, and that has caused great economical and emotional hardship. Experts warn there's a second wave of the coronavirus in coming in the near future. And then there's racial tensions continue to dominate the news, and economic insecurity is trickling down into every facet of life. So you look hard enough, you'll see despair, darkness, and depression dominating cultural landscape. Our world is hurting. Is there any hope? What will the future bring? Well, let's, let me give you some perspective. I mean, Christians are realists. We acknowledge that there is a problem with us and our world and that there is a real Savior, Jesus Christ. So Jesus is sitting by the lake, and his quiet and peaceful time gets interrupted by the crowds. Such large crowds gathered around him. They're pressing in on him because he's a celebrity. Why? Well, look at what he's been doing. If you've been in church the last month or tuned in online, you've heard about what he's been doing. Yes, he calmed the storm on the Sea of Galilee. He's cast out thousands of demons. He raised a dead girl and he healed a very sick woman. People want to know who this Jesus is. And the only way you really get to know someone is by listening to them. And thank you, all of you, for doing that today. I hope you hear God's word today. Jesus gets into a boat and preaches to the crowd of people all along the shore. And he taught them many things in parables. And we're going to look at the parable of the weeds. 
Now the people see all that Jesus can do and they probably are wondering, wow, if this man can calm the raging sea and can cast out thousands of evil spirits and heal the sick woman and raise the dead, why doesn't he just get rid of all the evil and all the bad in the world at once and save us all a bunch of misery? The question sounds familiar. Many people who do not believe in God or who doubt the goodness of God hear Christians teaching all the time and talking about the love of God and the love of Jesus Christ and how much he loves the world, and then they wonder, well, if he loves us that much and he's that powerful, why doesn't he get rid of all the bad and evil in the world that causes so much suffering? And Jesus answers that question with a parable. And notice that neither the power of God, nor the love of God, nor the goodness of God is ever questioned by Jesus Christ. See, God is God. He's the first and the last. He's everything. He is the Lord Almighty. And we should never forget that when we're talking about God. We're not talking about just another one of us. No one is like him, and he has no equal. So I don't like it when people try to use the presence of evil in this world as an argument against the goodness and love of God. That question implies that we humans have a lot more knowledge, and we know a lot more then, well, we really do know. And the truth is, God's knowledge is infinite and knows everything that's going on. And our knowledge is just tiny. And we need humility to accept that. So what I'm going to do for you this morning is give you a little perspective on evil. God made everything good. Is that true? Absolutely. Is life more good than evil? Well, let's think about that just for a minute. In a field of wheat, are there more weeds than there are wheat? More wheat. That's why we call it a field of wheat. Keep that in mind. If life really is more evil than good, then violent crimes should be measured in the triple and quadruple digits within population basis of 100,000, rather than in single and double digits, which it is currently now. Less than 1% of the world's deaths are from homicide. In the U.S., 4% of the population are affected by violent crime each year, 4%. Now, those numbers should be much higher in a predominantly evil world. Life expectancy in all major countries is over 60, except Kenya, Pakistan, and South Africa. Only two hundredths of one percent of the world population is classified as refugees in the largest and broadest definition of the word. Vast majority of countries have less than 15% unemployment. 
nutritional mortality. In spite of the fact that as many as one-third of the world does not eat an adequate diet, deaths from nutritionally related causes only account for 1% of all deaths. These numbers should be much higher in a world of more evil than good. I'm just saying, if life were more evil than good, then humanity might have killed itself off, killed itself off a long time ago through homicide, genocide, and suicide. If evil were the majority, then news of it would not be news in the least, and horrors of concentrated points of evil throughout history would not promote, provoke such moral outrage as it has. The slave trade, the Holocaust, it's horrific. Black Lives Matter. Why the outrage? The outrage, because it's not normal. There's a basic philosophical argument that evil, as a parasite on good, simply cannot exist in the majority, or it would starve itself, so to speak. You simply cannot have significantly more vampires or zombies than you have live humans. One moment of pain is unbearable and plain to see when it occurs in a life of uninterrupted bliss. But in a life that is characterized by chronic pain, the simple moment doesn't even go noticed. Evil gets noticed by us and is sometimes used in arguments against the goodness of God because it stands in such a contrast to ordinary lives of non-evil or what we would call goodness. You know, people are quick to blame God for all the evil. And unfortunately, those same people would never think to give him credit for all the good the predominantly good world we live in. God made this world good, and for the most part, it still is. That's why you and I enjoy weekends at the lake and campfires and a good book to read and family dinners and a walk through nature and so on and so on and so on. Count your blessings, there are many of them. Courtesy of a loving and gracious God. But think about this for a minute. If God were a sadist, he could give us a lot more pain than we do suffer. Think about it, eating. We get so much pleasure from eating, but instead he could make food awful, but still necessary. So like a drug addict, has to get his fix or the pain is too great. All physical functions could be forced by pain instead of invited by pleasure. Think about it. If God were indifferent, why the variety of fruit flavors for the palate, the beauty of colors in flowers and sunsets, the tang of salt air, the freshness of water, the power to 
enjoy all of these things. If God loves his creatures, all is explained except death, pain, and sorrow. And to the unbeliever, death, pain, and sorrow are an unsolvable problem. But to the believer, the Bible explains them quite clearly. Death came by sin. And the glorious end is as succinctly put as the explanation, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. See, perspective tells us that there is an awful lot of good in this world that our good God created. And yes, there is evil, especially when it hits close to home. And the problem with evil is that it is not as readily visible as the good. It's there, but you can't see it. Kind of like weeds in a wheat field. Oh, I hear a song coming on. We have to listen to it. Who's in the dark when the sun never shines? Evil grows in cracks and holes and lives in people's minds. Seventy songs seem to have got it right. Yeah. Evil grows in cracks and holes and lives in people's lives. The devil has sown his lies and tempted Adam and Eve to disobey God, and they did, and now sin and evil has been a part of our world and our lives. And we've been infected and the sin virus is deadly. And although we may spend our days in more good than bad, generally speaking, the truth of the matter is that when evil rears its ugly head in our personal lives, and we experience the sin and the rebellion and the suffering and the death, we wonder if there will ever be any relief. The lives of the good and the evil inter intertwine inseparably according to this parable like wheat and weeds in a field you cannot rip out the evil without ripping out the good as well and that's why God does not get rid of evil just yet the owner's servant came to him and said sir didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. And the servant asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. The problem with evil is that it is in people. You may not see it all the time, but it's there. 
And as Christians, this we acknowledge. Because of mass media and a camera in the form of a cell phone in the hand of almost everyone, we're starting to get to see the horrific things people can do. Usually we only see the shockers, the things that are going to make headlines or make someone some money or stir public outcry. But what we're finding out is that extraordinary evil is being done by ordinary people. Now some will say that ordinary, normally good people will do bad things because of their environment. If people are backed into a corner and see no way out, then they choose evil. Somehow people think that if God were to get rid of all the evil out there in the world, then we would have an easier time of dealing with it in our own lives. However, the Bible tells us our problem, all of our problem, and it's not outside of us, not just in the evil world. Our problem is inside of us. Look at these passages, Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? It's part of our nature. Jeremiah 17, 1. Judah's sin is engraved with an iron tool, inscribed with a flint point on the tablets of their hearts and on the horns of their altars. Engraved? Man, that sounds pretty permanent. And then Romans 3.10, as it is written, there's no one righteous, not even one. We are capable, without any outside influence at all, of doing evil. James 1 verse 14. Each one is tempted when, by his own evil desires, he's dragged away and enticed. Sin works its way from the inside out, and don't ever forget that. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Man, the Bible answers our big questions. The problem of evil, sin, suffering, and death is pretty clear. So what is our good God doing about it? Well, to those who don't believe, they may say he's not doing anything. But to those who believe and know the truth, they know exactly what God has done about evil. And that's why we put the answer right up there on our walls, wherever we can. Yep. If you want answers to life's tough questions, God gave you the answer when he came in the person of Jesus Christ, he is the answer to all of life's questions. When we think about what happened to the innocent Jesus, how he was treated and how he was spit on and how he's whipped and beaten and flogged and crucified, horrific evil done to him. In the person of Jesus Christ, God dealt with the consequences of evil upon himself on the cross in our place. Look at that. Isaiah says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
and with his wounds, with the evil that was done to him, we are healed. The cross of Jesus works for our good. Yet God didn't stop it or take it away. Why? Because God knew from the beginning that his son would be the lamb that was led to the slaughter for the sins of the world, the innocent lamb. And he didn't stop it. Luke twenty-two forty-two. God the Father allowed the suffering of the son. John 10, 18. God the son willingly laid down his life. God makes use of the curse of sin, suffering and death for his good purpose. The cross, the instrument of suffering and shame, clearly teaches us that God uses evil and bad for good and our good. That is the answer to evil in the world. Now we who sit on the other side of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ know that the father of evil, the minions of evil, the weapons of evil cannot hurt or harm us because even death will not and cannot separate us from the love of God. Even death cannot take away our lives because they are now eternally connected with Jesus Christ. That is why St. Paul could look at his own life and the evil and the hardships and the suffering he had to bear and he could declare with certainty and beyond a doubt that neither death nor life, neither tribulations or distress, nor anything else will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God could be using evil in this world to strengthen us and remind us to cling to his promises, to remind us that he is patient. He could come and end the world today. The Bible says, no, he wants all to believe in him, to come to the knowledge of truth about him, to trust and believe that he loves them and that he has saved them from eternal damnation. Yes, it's a time of grace. The doors to heaven are wide open for all who would come to believe. God is wanting it all for the people of this world. So he's holding off, ending the world, so that people would be saved. And he has guaranteed a future without evil. There will be a harvest and it will be a glorious one. The parable is explained for us. Verse 37, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. Thank goodness. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes, everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will be thrown into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous, those who have been made right with God by the blood of the Lamb, 
faith in Jesus Christ will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. There is coming a day when there will be no more evil and there will be no more suffering and no more pain and no more sorrow and no more sin and no more death. And this is the hope we have for a better day. Hope is a quiet confidence in the present based on what God has done in the past. Hope is defiance in the face of fear. It is the often courageous task of staring reality in the face and still claiming that though evil, suffering, and death remain for a time being, they have already been defeated through Jesus Christ. Hope is standing in the valley of dry bones and daring to believe God will breathe life into them once again. Hope is living as resurrection people in a dying and groaning world. That's why we love the sunrise so much. It reminds us of the love of God and the hope for a better day. It reminds us that there is a new day dawning. There is a glorious future awaiting us, and we get to be part of that all through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who conquered evil, sin, death, and the power of the devil for us. Amen.